0: All right, well, friends, um, have you ever noticed uh, that there are some questions that don't ever need to be asked, and there are are some signs uh, that don't ever need to be displayed? Let me give you a couple of examples. There are some questions uh, where the answer is so obvious that before uh, I ever even ask the question, I know without a doubt what the answer is going to be. Here are a couple of those. Uh, Do you want dessert? And that question never needs to be asked in my house. The answer is always a resounding yes. Every time, without hesitation. It doesn't matter if it's 8 o'clock in the morning, or 3 p.m. in the afternoon, or in the middle of the night. We want dessert, right? You don't ever have to ask that question in my house. Here's another one. Should we watch a movie? That question is completely unnecessary. If it involves a screen, my kids want to do it. You don't have to ask twice. In fact, you don't even have to ask once. The answer is always yes. There are some questions where the answer is so obvious that the question isn't worth asking. And there are some signs that are so obvious that they aren't worth the ink that printed them. Consider these for example. Now, unless you are from a foreign planet and don't know what a peanut is, this sign is completely unnecessary. It's the most obvious thing in the world. Okay? Or or how about this one? How about this one? Now, notice the verbiage on the sign that is circled. Now, now I've got to tell you, I am genuinely worried for anyone who needs that sign, okay? If there is someone out there who thinks that the actual size, that that is the actual size of a hot dog that they're going to buy for 50 cents, they don't need a, a, a sign telling them that it's not. They need a hospital to be admitted into, okay? Or what about this one? No commentary is necessary here. And neither was this sign. Of course, a cheeseburger has cheese. And then there's this one. Said absolutely every product ever. Totally and completely unnecessary. And then there's this. Now, if you are old enough to read this sign, you do not need it. Okay? No one who is old enough to read this sign has ever, ever made that mistake. And then finally, here's my favorite. This sign is completely unnecessary because what it is warning us of is literally, physiologically impossible, right? Those signs don't tell us anything that we don't already know. They aren't informing us of anything new. As far as signs go, they're pointless. Some questions are so obvious that they don't need to be asked and some signs are so obvious and apparent that they don't need to be given. And as we continue in our Epiphany sermon series this morning, considering the signs that Jesus has given us in the Gospel of John, in order to make himself known and to reveal his glory to the world, today we come to a question that Jesus asks that seems completely unnecessary, which leads to a sign that Jesus gives which appears to be completely obvious. But as we consider this story from the Scriptures, and as we examine our own hearts in light of this passage, what we begin to see is that there is so much more going on in this account than there initially appears to be. And what at first glance seems to be completely obvious and unnecessary may not be so obvious after all. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, as we consider the third sign that Jesus gives in the book of John with the healing at the pool of Bethesda. Now, this story uh, really gets going when Jesus asks an obvious question. While at a feast in the city of Jerusalem, Jesus makes his way to the pool of Bethesda which was a place that was known for healing. We know this because of a verse that is likely missing from your Bibles. If you notice, unless you have a King James Version or a New American Standard Version of the Bible, there is no verse 4 in chapter 5 of the book of John. And that's because this verse was not found in any of the earliest or the most accurate manuscripts of the New Testament. And so scholars believe that it was almost certainly added in at a later date by a scribe who was attempting to explain what was going on in this passage. And in most Bibles, there's a footnote that explains this. And what verse 4 would have said, if it was included in your Bibles, was that at certain times... An angel of the Lord would come and stir the waters of the pool, and that whoever stepped into the waters first, after they had been stirred, was healed of whatever diseases they had. And so unsurprisingly, this was a place, as we see in verse 3, that a multitude of invalids, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, would spend their days. They were waiting for the waters to be stirred by an angel in hopes that they would be healed. And it is into this scene that Jesus enters and encounters a man who had been invalid for 38 years. Now, when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there for a very long time, Jesus asks this man one of the most obvious questions that's ever been posed. In verse 6, Jesus asks, Do you want to get well? <laughs> what an unnecessary question. I mean, think about it. This man has suffered for most, if not all of his life. His 38 years of living as an invalid was already longer than the average lifespan in those days. He has spent a literal lifetime in pain and suffering. Of course, he wants to be healed. If you've ever walked alongside someone who has suffered in any way, for any length of time, you know how strong the desire for healing is. And while it's true that the Lord will use the suffering that we face in this world in redemptive ways, and that we should ask for that to happen, and that we should look for ways that God is at work in the midst of our suffering, and and that we should trust Him in the midst of it, still... I don't know anyone who in the midst of their suffering, if given a chance to be healed, wouldn't jump at the opportunity. You know, there are several people in our congregation who struggle with chronic pain or illness. And even if you don't personally have those challenges, most of us know someone in our families or in our communities who struggle with some form of persistent and debilitating physical, mental, or emotional challenges that they would long for the opportunity to stand before Jesus and have him ask the question, do you want to be healed? Of course, we want to be healed. We all want to be healed. It's such an obvious question. And it's almost as if Jesus knows that it's an obvious question because he never asks it of anyone else in all the scriptures. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus heals lots and lots and lots of people. It's how he came to be known as the great physician. Matthew recounts an occasion where large crowds came to Jesus, bringing with them all of the lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute and many others, and they put them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them all. In no other place is it recorded that Jesus asked this question, do you want to be healed? Because it appears to be an obvious and completely unnecessary question until we consider this invalid's response. And until we consider what our own reply to that question might honestly be. In verse 7, we see that in response to Jesus' question, the invalid replies, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going down, another steps down before me. You know what's interesting, isn't it, that instead of responding in the affirmative, the invalid man responds with a response of hopelessness instead of responding with a grateful acceptance of Jesus' offer to be made well, this sick man responds with a statement which expresses a a lifetime of frustration and disappointment. What at first may seem like an obvious no-brainer type of answer when we consider the reality of this moment and the reality of our own experiences with our unhealth, we realize that this may not be such an obvious answer after all. Do you want to be healed? How would you answer that question? There are many people in the world today who upon hearing that question posed to them, their first response would honestly be, to believe that they don't have anything that they need to be healed of. Their body appears healthy. Their life seems to be going well. They they have all that they need. They, They sense no need for any help or healing in their life. If that's where you find yourself this morning, let me warn you that you are in a dangerous place. For that attitude, that mindset... It puts you in league with the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day, who took pride in the fact that they weren't like the other people around them, who found themselves in need, either physically or spiritually. In response to such an attitude, Jesus actually rebuked them, saying, "...those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." He's basically saying that if you have no need for healing in your life, then you are denying your need for me. And what the Scriptures teach us is that our rejection of Jesus will ultimately lead to God's rejection of us. Do you want to be healed? Some of us may respond to that question by knowing that we have a need, but finding it difficult to accept Jesus' invitation to be healed because we've given up hope that healing could ever really come. Maybe your relationship with a a spouse or a sibling or a parent or a friend has been so broken for so long and it's caused so much pain that you've given up hope of it ever getting any better. Based upon your past experiences, healing in that relationship sounds too good to be true and you just don't want to be disappointed again. So you resign yourself to live with the brokenness. And in order to protect your heart, you've just grown to accept it do you want to be healed? Some of us won't accept Jesus's invitation to be healed because we've grown comfortable in our sickness. If we wear pride for too long, it starts to feel good on us. If we hold on to unforgiveness in our heart for too long, that sense of power and control that it gives us over another person can be difficult to let go of. If we play the victim for too long, We can grow fond of the attention and the sympathy that it elicits. Do you want to be healed? Some of us won't accept Jesus' invitation to be healed because even though we know that it's wrong, we secretly love our sin. We love the thrill and the rush that it brings, even if we know it's fleeting. We love the way that it makes us feel alive, even if afterwards there's always a shame and a regret. We cling to our sin, keeping it alive Rather than hating it and putting it to death. Do you want to be healed? Some of us won't accept Jesus' invitation to be healed because of what is required in order to get well. What Jesus asks of us may seem too costly. There may be too much embarrassment or shame to us or to our family if we were to allow light to shine into the dark and sickly places of our lives. Do you want to be healed? Some folks with long-term physical disease have a difficult time accepting Jesus' invitation to be healed because of the way in which it appears Jesus is planning to heal them. They want it done on their terms and in their way and in their timing rather than on Jesus' terms and in Jesus' way and in Jesus' timing. Do you want to be healed? What at first seems like an obvious and completely unnecessary question with a bit of honest reflection, may not be quite so obvious after all. And this question leads to a sign that Jesus gives us, which at first glance appears to communicate a very obvious message. Jesus heals the the invalid man and restores his ability to walk. It's a sign that demonstrates that Jesus is able to heal the sickness and the brokenness in our lives He has the power to restore what has been wrecked and to make right what has gone wrong. He can heal your sickness. He can take away your pain. He can remove your anxiety. He can eliminate your fear. Whatever painful and crippling challenges you face in your life, Jesus shows us in this sign that he has the ability to redeem it. It's a sign that at first glance appears to communicate the very obvious message that Jesus heals. But when we consider this apparently obvious sign, in light of the no longer so obvious question that Jesus asked, the sign doesn't seem quite so straightforward after all either. Because what Jesus' question adds to his sign is the reality that Jesus is able to heal us, but that we have to desire it. What he shows us in this question is is that we have to believe that he can heal us. We have to want to receive his healing. We have to respond to his offer in order to receive it. He can heal, but he won't necessarily heal if we don't receive his invitation to healing. And when we see this reality played out in Mark chapter 6 and in Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth, After performing many, many miraculous healings in many, many different towns and villages, upon arriving back home, we're told that many people took offense at Jesus. They thought they knew who he was. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They had their own opinions of who Jesus was already formed and settled in their minds. And those opinions didn't include Jesus as the divine Son of God who had the power to heal their brokenness. And as a result, we learn that Jesus could do no mighty work there. He healed a few here and there, but because of their large scale unbelief, He did not heal many like He did in all of the other places that He went. This doesn't mean that he couldn't heal them, but likely that they didn't ask him to. They didn't want him to. They didn't receive him as one who could heal them. They didn't want to be made well by Jesus. And so, what first seems like an obvious question turns out to be not so obvious after all. And what at first looks like an obvious sign may not be so straightforward after all. Do you want to be healed? Jesus has the power to heal if we will receive his offer. And this ought to cause us to ask ourselves the question, how about us? How about you? Do you want to be healed? With this third sign in John chapter 5, Jesus shows us that he wants to do a healing and restorative work in your life. He wants to take what is broken and make it whole. He wants to take what has been robbed by sin and sickness and death and redeem it with wholeness and with health and with life. He wants this for you and he's able to do it for you. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus defines himself in this very way by these very acts that in him the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. It's a sign of who he is. But in the end of that description of himself, he says, Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Jesus is able and he's willing to heal you. The question is, will you allow Jesus to do the healing and restorative work that he wants to do in you? Will you not be offended by Him? Will you trust in Him to heal you in His way and in His time and by His means? Will you follow the instructions that He gives you for healing in His Word and by His Spirit as best as you're able in order to receive it? You know, church, we don't have to do this perfectly. The invalid in our story certainly didn't. He, responded with an, he he didn't respond with an enthusiastic acceptance to Jesus' question and, and with a thankful heart for Jesus' offer. Instead, he, he simply stood before Jesus and acknowledged his brokenness. He confessed that he had tried to do everything he knew how to try and had come up empty. He simply accepted that he could not fix himself in his own power and when jesus gave him an instruction to get up and walk in a literal step of faith he obeyed what jesus told him to do and and it worked <laughs> we simply need to do the same in order to receive the healing that jesus wants to bring into our lives physically and emotionally and spiritually and in all of the ways we need healing We simply need to acknowledge before the Lord that we can't fix ourselves and that we need His help in order to be made well. We need to acknowledge our brokenness and our need and our dependence upon Him for our health in this life and in the life to come. We need to be willing to take whatever steps the Lord instructs us to take. It may be confession and repentance. It may be seeking reconciliation of some form. It may be seeking prayer from the church, as we heard from our reading from James this morning. You know, there's a time of prayer available after every Sunday service for anyone who desires it. Whatever steps of faith the Lord instructs us to take for our healing, we should take. And then we trust Him to work in His ways and in His time and by His desired means. And when we do that, we can trust with all confidence that he will heal us psalm 103 which we read responsively earlier reminds us that god is a god who heals all of our diseases he will do it we simply need to join our voice with the psalmist from from psalm 69 who in the midst of of trouble prays this prayer to god at an acceptable time o god In the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me. And God will do it. He will heal all of our diseases if we ask him to. If we will receive his gracious invitation. Church, with this third sign that he performed from John chapter 5. Jesus asks an obvious question that might actually not be so obvious after all. And he gives us an obvious sign that actually might not be so obvious after all. Do you want to be healed? It's a question worth wrestling with, deep in our hearts and our souls. Because as we see through the healing of the invalid at Bethesda, Jesus has given us a sign He desires to heal us, and He is able to heal us if we will receive it. It's a sign worth contemplating. So how will you respond? My prayer is that each and every one of us, trusting in the Lord's ways and in the Lord's timing and in the Lord's chosen means, that we will all experience the healing work of Jesus in our lives, and that it will be to God's glory and to our good. Amen. Amen. And now, church, let us continue on in our worship as we come to the time of the Apostles' Creed where we confess what we believe to be true about our God, including the great power that He has for us. So, church, let us say together what we believe. Saying together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth.